0: If you're joining us for the first time or you haven't been around for a while, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 20 has been the main scripture, our anchor scripture is what we call it around here, for this series, Lines in the Sand. For the sake of time today, I'm not going to reread that. I encourage you to go back, check out some of the messages in this series so that you can grab a hold of that scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. I want to jump right into the piece of scripture that I want to deal with today. and uh, and extract some thoughts from something that's been on my heart for a while now uh, that I've just been rereading and rereading and and marinating in uh, over the past little while. It's found in John chapter four, verses one through 14, so I wanna invite you there uh, with us today. John chapter four, one through 14, says this. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. Here's what I really want us to hear today and we're gonna really focus on. He had, H-A-D, it's right there. He, he had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property of Jacob, had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well, it was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. I always find it funny when the Bible tells us things like this. Like, who would just to a random stranger be like, yo, give me a drink, right? He said, give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone away into the town to buy food. They'd been on a long journey. That's that's what you do. And then this is what happens, verse 9. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me a Samaritan woman, I want you to see this this portion of scripture right here is really important for us because it's right here in this moment, a strong line is drawn in the sand. She is assessing a line that hadn't just been drawn then but had been drawn for a long time. She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, I love how Jesus pivots. He goes to a totally different direction, he offers a different perspective. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water from? How many of you right now are like, this is a weird conversation to be happening at a well. You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself and and so did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, come on. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. And this whole big old dialogue That happens between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. He ends up bringing all of this stuff around to this one place, and that is eternity found in Jesus. Jesus takes a moment that he had, and this is what I really wanna look at today is this conversation piece that takes place and Jesus arriving at this well and everything that goes into this moment. So today, as we continue on in this collection of talks we have been calling Lines in the Sand, I wanna speak to you from the subject, The Necessary Way. The necessary way as we look at the ministry of reconciliation as a journey we must go on. We pray with me just one more time today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you that you are the living God. That you are above everything in our lives, you are above our circumstances, you are above the situations that we are facing, even right now in this moment. So God, I ask that you would speak to us, wherever we are viewing from today, wherever we are engaging in church today, God, I thank you that your voice is in it all and is working through it all. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. Amen. I recently uh, was on vacation, I talked about this last week. dreaming of days past. Uh, But anyways, we were on vacation as a family and we did this like loop. We took off to, uh, first we were in Wyoming and then we were in Idaho and we went up into West Yellowstone and then other places in Idaho and it was just this big old trip and it was cabins and woods and and just beautiful things and just a time to just be with the family and and recharge and and get some energy back and just focus on our kiddos for a moment. But uh, one of the days I had the opportunity to do something that I love, which is go fly fishing and uh, the, the Airbnb cabin that we were staying at in Wyoming, the owner uh, said, hey, my son can take you out uh, the kid was about like 18 or so, he's like, my son can take you out into some places that no one else is really gonna be able to get into. And I was like, game on, let's do it. Because uh, that's my like that's my overall hope when I go out to do something like this. I don't wanna go where anybody else is at. Come on, can I get a witness to church today? I wanna go where no one's going. That's my personality, that's like how I see it. I'm like, take me off the beaten path. I wanna find things that no one else is gonna get into. And so the owner's like, yeah, my son can do that. So I grabbed my son and we hopped in our truck and uh, he hopped in the truck with us and we drove for like an hour and a half, two hours out into the middle of nowhere in in Wyoming, which sounds fine at first glance, but as we got in on this journey, he moved us off of paved road onto dirt roads onto, I can't designate them as roads, Right? And as we got onto these roads, uh, our truck is, is fairly new and I'm, I'm careful about it. And if you know my personality, I can get a little bit anal retentive about things. And so, in this new truck with my son in the back and this person who is a stranger in the passenger seat leading me to know, we took off on what was, in my classification, nowhere near a road. And on this road, there became deep pots and lots of mud. And all of a sudden, I found myself traversing through the hills and then into the mountains on a road that, well, really actually probably couldn't fit my truck. And that was when I started to get a little bit nervous. That was when I started to get a little bit scared. Because I came up to this moment where all of a sudden I had to negotiate a turn in the vehicle that was like razor thin on the side where I could seemingly knock the truck down off into this little ditch area that was there. So I had to come up on this burn and there was mud and I didn't know what was there. And as I'm turning, the truck drops in front of me. Everything goes down and we just hear this loud crash underneath the bottom of the truck. Everything drove into the bottom of the truck. And at that point, I was shaken, my son was shaken, the passenger was shaken, we're like, what was going on? I was not expecting it, I didn't see it. Although we kept on driving to where we needed to get to. And eventually, when we got there, I realized that I I had done some damage to my truck. I'd knock some things out, knock things some, uh, around. And then as we're driving out of this place that we went, I realized that the only way to keep my truck straight now at this point was to hold the wheel at two o'clock. I'd knocked the alignment completely out. I tell you that story because the only way to get to where we were trying to get to was to go through what we had to go through in order to get there. And this is what Jesus ultimately was faced with. See, the truth is that there are lines that have been drawn in the sand that we have no option to go around, we have to go through them. And the things that I was negotiating in my truck that day I did not have the option, I want you to hear this, I did not have the option to go around them. My only two options were this, I was either going to go through what was in front of me to get to where I was trying to go, or I was going to back up and never see what was in front of me because I was afraid of what I had to go through. And right now we are standing in a moment that we have to go through, we just can't go around it. This was the case for Jesus and it's the case for us. To take up the mantle and the ministry of reconciliation is going to require us to have a strength of faith, come on somebody, and a reservoir of grace deep enough to persist in the face of weariness and frustration and hurt and pain and what many times simply feels like indifference. I wanna ask you this question today, what is in front of you that you have to go through? And I'm gonna explain that a little bit more. See, what we have to realize is that what we have to go through is much more than just the logistical or chronological or topographical reality. Let me explain, in the Greek, a very specific and powerful word is used when the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria. So can we go Can we go Greek for a second, all right? Hang with me, this is the, this is the foundational work we need to do today. So this word that's used in the Greek is a very specific word when the Bible tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. It's gonna come up on the screen. This is the Greek word right here. The Greek word is day. Day. Do we have it? Is it coming? I want you to see this. Okay, I'll move on until it comes up. So the Greek word day is spelled D-E-I, day. You say it as day. The Bible says that Jesus had, H-A-D, or the Greek word day, D-E-I, had to go through Samaria. There's another moment that this word is used. It's in Matthew chapter 16, 21 through 23. Watch what it says. It says, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary. Necessary. The word used for necessary is the word we just got familiar with, the word day. D-E-I. It was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, to be killed and raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, 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 Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Have you ever had your friend say that to you? (laughs) Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns, this is the point. Both times, the word day is used. This word is described to us, is used to describe to us a path that was in effect a heavenly and preordained assignment. One could not simply go around it. They had to day. They had to go through it. In other words, you and I have been called in this moment, if we're gonna take up the ministry of reconciliation, there are some things that we have to go through. We don't have an option. Why? Because it is a preordained, heavenly assignment to walk through, to go through what it is that we need to go through. Day. And I believe that This is so important for us right now because many of us are asking the question, why are we experiencing what we're experiencing right now? Have you ever asked yourself that question before? Why am I going through this? You see, in life and in faith, there are going to be things that we have to go through in order to experience all that God has planned and ordained for our lives. Paul helps us understand this in Ephesians chapter two, Verse 10, when he says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, watch this, which God prepared ahead of time for you and I to walk in. You know, I think for a lot of us right now, we are living life as if it's just coincidence or happenstance or circumstance. Can I tell you that some of the things that we are facing right now are not things that are just a product of coincidence and happenstance and random behavior in the universe. Some of the things that we are facing right now are day moments. I have to go through them. Just like I had to go through that section on the road when I was four-buying with my truck in the backwoods of Wyoming, I had to go through some things if I was gonna get to where I was wanting to get to. For every single one of us, there is an assignment, a plan, a purpose, and there will be times in life and faith that we have to go through things in order to step into the assignment, to step into the plan, and to step into the purpose of God for our lives. Come on, I want you to hear that today. If you're online, this is a moment to engage in this this reality. You have a plan, you have a purpose for your life. God has put something inside of you. He's preordained some things, he's destined some things that you and I have to walk through, and I just wanna encourage you and declare Over your life today that right now in this moment is not a time to shrink back. It is not a time to be afraid. It is not a time to handle things with timidity. It's a time to step through some stuff because I have some things that I need to go through. I have some things that I need to conquer. I have some things that I need to win over. Why? Because God has planned it. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen online today? And you see the journey that Jesus would take, the journey through Samaria, I want you to hear this, was a journey that most others wanted to avoid. And I think that's the space that we live in right now. There's two types of people in the world that we're living in right now. There's two types of people online right now. There are two types of people in this room right now. Those who will walk through it, and those who will avoid it. <laughs> Let that settle for a second. Because here's the other space. If you go, no, 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 there, there's a middle ground right now. That's called indifference. So we're gonna walk through it or we're gonna avoid it or we're gonna be indifferent about it. And the last time I checked, indifference was not an option when it comes to those who are called by God. Now I wanna show you what I mean by this was a journey that many others would want to avoid. You guys remember the comment at the beginning that, that, that the Samaritan woman made to Jesus? Jews and Samaritans, well, we don't, we don't get on. Jesus, they don't have conversations like this. I wanna put a map up on the screen. I want you to see this. This is, in effect, the journey that Jesus would take so you can see by way of a topographical reality this journey that he would take. So the journey that we're reading about in John chapter four is represented by this straight line right here, right? So the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria, This is important because we can just read it and we go, oh, well, that's the way he had to go, right? Like, I have to go through, I have to go through uh, uh, Murray in order to get to downtown Salt Lake. You could say that. The Bible was not referencing just a topographical reality. The Bible was referencing a heavenly call. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Because there was assignment. When everybody else used to go this way. I want you to see how volatile the relationships were between the Jews and the Samaritans at this point in time. Because in effect, many Jewish people would go around Samaria and take the longer path just to simply avoid interaction with Samaritans. They would take the longer journey to to go around. I really feel like as I was praying through this message and getting ready to bring this message today, I think there's a lot, of this, a lot of us right now that look at our problems as Samaria and we're too busy trying to go around them instead of what God's asking us to oh, do and go through them. Wow. We're spending more time asking God for the energy to go around what he's called us to go through. And that's not a prayer he's going to answer. It's not a prayer that he's going to give over to because he may be saying, listen, I don't want you to go around things. I need you to go through things. You're asking for the energy to go around your addiction and God's saying, no, I want you to win over that addiction. I want you to go through that thing. We're asking God to heal certain things, but yet in our nation, like racism and indifference and hate and bitterness, and many of us are trying to go around it as if it doesn't exist and God's saying, I I need you to go through Samaria. I need us to hear this today. Many times we miss the purpose of God because we do not agree with the details of the plan. What do you think about that? We miss the purpose of God because I don't agree with the details. Come on, somebody. I've got three kids in my house right now. And I can't, I can't even tell you, like begin to tell you how many times my kids argue with me about the details of the plan and totally forget where we're trying to go. I could tell my kids that we were going to Disneyland and they would forget about Disneyland and like be consumed by how we're getting to Disneyland. And come on, parents, you know, what, you know what I'm talking about. If they bump into a design of the plan that they don't like, they lose their minds over the plan, failing to realize that we're trying to get to Disneyland. And I think we do that with God so many times. God says, I've got a purpose for you. And you're like, yes, yes, you do. Yay. I've got a plan for your life. Yes, yes, you do, you're called and, and, and you're appointed and, and I've got purpose for you and, and good things ahead of you. And you're like, yeah, I love it. And then God says, okay, so here are the details. And you're like, yeah, I love the details. Until he says a detail that you don't love and you're like, nah, forget about the plan. Because we wanna walk around something instead of ask him for the grace and the strength to walk through Something. The truth is, is we all have our Samaria. We all have the place in our life that we have to go through day. We have something in our life, we have a space in our life, we have a circumstance in our life, we have a situation in our life that we we have to go through, a heavenly assignment that we have to go through. Come on, are you hearing me today? online and in the building today. The truth is, is that we all have our Samaria, we all have things, we all have places, we have people (laughs) that we would much rather go around. Right? And so what I wanna do today is I just wanna take the rest of our time together and I wanna just look at three things that happen when we go through our Samaria. Just three things that take place in our lives and in the lives of others. If we would simply just go, I'm going through it, I'm not going around it. Here's the first thing, number one, the first thing that I need us to understand about what happens when we go through our Samaria is what feels like drudgery becomes divine. What feels like drudgery becomes divine. John chapter four, verse six, look at this. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, I want you to hear this, Jesus, Jesus, even Jesus, fully God and fully man, the king of the universe, and Jesus was worn out. From his journey. So he sat down at the well. It was about noon. Drudgery. Here's the definition of drudgery dull, irksome, fatiguing work, uninspiring, and menial or menial labor. This many times represents our Samaria. Dull, irksome, fatiguing, mentally exhausting, uninspiring, or menial labor, and here's the problem that we face so many times in our life is that we look at the Samaria that we have to go through as drudgery rather than divine. We get frustrated because it's not spectacular. We get frustrated because the details don't work out the way that we want to, this is our Samaria, this is what we feel at work, this is what we feel at, at school. Can I just, I'm gonna stop right there for a second. Did you know that your workspace is sacred space? I just wanna challenge us today because so many times, I hear so many complaints and so many frustrations about the place that I work because it's drudgery. It's dull, it's irksome, it's fatiguing work, it's uninspiring or it's menial labor. Did you know that your workplace might be your Samaria and God has you there on purpose to create that place as a sacred space where lives are changed? You are not just counting things or typing things or making phone calls or leading people or building things or doing business. You are doing the work of God in that place. It is Samaria. Once heard somebody say, man, I'm just struggling at work right now, and I was like, why? And they're like, well, there's just so many people that don't know Jesus there, and I was like, the problem is what? Take that in for a minute. I find it interesting when we, who have been called to be the salt and the light of the world, are frustrated when we are in a place where it actually can happen. (laughs) Sorry, it's mathematics for me right now. We're like, God, use me. God, take me places and spaces in the world where I can be salt and light. And he's like, all right, here's a cubicle. And you're like, no, I don't want that. I want the mission field. I want this and I want that. But what if your mission field is an office space? This is what I feel at work or at school or at this point, all the things we're doing at home right now, drudgery, homeschooling, drudgery. Not for me, for my wife, (laughs) right? This is what we feel about life, especially right now. And I know much of the situations and circumstances right now can feel like this. To do hard work, I want us to write this down because then we're gonna do a compare and contrast. To do hard work and to face what seems unaccomplishable often feels like drudgery. Yet I've come to realize that the very ministry that we're asking God for for our lives, the very impact that we're asking God for in our lives feels like this. And so we give up. We stop trying to do it. We go on to what we would call greener pastures and greener fields, all just to get to the same place where we're like, well this is drudgery. So I shift, this is drudgery. Can I just do a little relationship thing for us? We do this in our marriages. I've been working 11 years at this thing, it's drudgery now. Or we have the option to allow it to be divine. And when I go through Samaria, what feels like drudgery becomes divine. And what I've found when it comes to erasing lines in the sand that are being drawn on our generation right now, It tends to be hard and tedious work. It is work that drains the mind and exhausts the soul. However, it is the Samaria that we have to go through. We can't go around these things. We can't go around COVID. We can't go around racism. We can't go around indifference. We can't go around hate and bitterness and unforgiveness. We can't go around the culture wars and division that we are facing. We have to go through it, and like Jesus, we need to find ourselves sitting at the well in the middle. Of the journey. Why? Because he was tired from the journey. Think about that. You would think if you wanted a grand PR campaign for the Savior of the world, tired from the journey would not be part of it. You would think that the Bible would say, and Jesus coming to the well after all of this journey still had all the energy in the world, was just a hyper energizer bunny who could do anything and everything. He was like, zap healing, zap healing, zap healing. That's not what we got. What did we get? We got Jesus, tired from the journey, was leaning against the well. And he needed a drink of water. Can I just say this to us today? Being tired from the journey is not a bad thing. Giving up on the journey is what is inexcusable. You can be tired, I'm tired. You're tired, we all tired. The question is, is am I going to lean on Jesus for what I need to keep on going through Samaria? I don't wanna avoid Samaria. Number two, you guys feeling me online today? Number two, here's the second thing that we need to know happens. What feels like a routine becomes redefining. What feels like a routine becomes redefining. John chapter four, six through seven. Can we just look at scripture right now? It was about noon. Sometimes we glance over these things, uh, failing to realize what, what it's actually saying to us. So it was about noon, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. In other words, what the Bible's telling us right now is that there was a routine in this woman's life like there was in everyone's life during this culture. They all had to go to the well in order to draw water from it. There were different points in the day that people would go to the well in order to get water, just to get water. It was about noon. And a woman of Samaria doing her routine came. See, there are two characters to this story here. Jesus, and then there is the Samaritan woman, And many times we miss the fact that the Samaritan woman was simply completing a routine task of collecting water. And in this moment, her routine task would turn into a redefining moment. Is it possible that we're avoiding routine and missing the redefinition that God wants to do in it? I don't wanna read my Bible right now, basic things. Can I tell you that it's in the routine of just reading it? Well, I'm not getting anything, okay? I don't wanna worship right now. I don't wanna engage in church right now. It's so hard to do it online. It's so hard because I'm not in the room with people. It's so hard to do these things. It just feels like routine. I've heard this a bunch of times. It feels like routine. Since when is routine bad if the routine becomes redefining? I've found that if you do something long enough, it'll end up transforming you. If you do something long enough, it'll end up Becoming transformational. See, we tend to believe what is spectacular. I want you to hear this. We tend to believe that what is spectacular is what is transformational. I I need to go at some things right now as as your pastor. I just need to encourage this right now. Man, I just, I can't do church right now because I'm not in the building. Yet, when we're in the building, we say things like, shouldn't the church be outside of the building? (laughs) (laughs) I just need to work through some stuff right now. Call a therapy or whatever we need to do right now. But what I've come to realize is that when I keep with the routine, when I keep doing what it is that I need to do, when I keep on doing what I have to do or what I had to do, what I day need to do, when I keep on doing that, that is where God brings transformation. When every single day I start framing my thoughts around God's heart, transformation. Every single day when I lift my hands to Him, transformation. Every single day when I pray in prayer, transformation. Every single day when I engage in his presence, transformation. See, the routine is actually what is spectacular. We want the lights and the show, and can I tell you, this doesn't change anybody. It's the routine of pressing into Jesus that changes us. I've come to find that God moves in the routine. Every day when I keep on getting up, Being the dad I'm supposed to be, being the husband I need to be, being the leader I need to be, being the pastor that I need to be. It's that routine. Guess what? I do it every day. I've been doing it every day for the past 15 years. Every day, every day, every day, every day. Every day, you get the point. Every day, every day, every day. I thought about doing this point like this for 10 minutes. Every day, every day. It would have been an artistic approach to routine. Every day, every day, every day. Fun little law term we've learned over the past little while, in perpetuity. (laughs) Some get that joke. (laughs) Forever. You mean I have to keep loving my wife or my husband every day? Day. I wonder if we could transform it. I wonder if I could say, I have to do this every D E I. Every day. Because it's heaven's assignment, not just my circumstance. Every day. We get, need, need to get T-shirts printed, creative team, every day. Because we all like this one, seize the day, carpe diem. How many of you heard that one? Seize the day, I like that, until it's attached to what feels like drudgery. I want to seize, what we're really saying is I want to seize the spectacular moments. I don't necessarily want to seize the Samaria's. Number three, here's the third thing that happens. When we go through Samaria, the third thing is what feels like an obstacle becomes an opportunity. What feels like an obstacle becomes an opportunity. Back into the scripture says this, John chapter four, nine through 14, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans, boom, there's the obstacle. How do you talk to me right now? How how can you be engaging in conversation with me? The obstacle was dropped. Maybe it would sound like this in our generation right now. How are you talking to to me? We disagree with each other. How are you talking to me? You're a Republican and I am a Democrat. Some of you might be going like, man, we've been in this series for five weeks and it's coming back around to the same things. Yes. Why? Because I still occasionally go on Facebook and realize it's all the same things. How can you talk to me? You're this color and I'm this color. Obstacle. How can you talk to me? You're a Christian and I don't believe in Jesus. How can you talk to me? You're rich and I'm poor. How can you talk to me? You are an older generation and I'm a younger generation. See, the lines aren't just color that we're facing. There's lines everywhere. Have you ever felt that you're like navigating lines, like you're like (laughs) trying to like get through? Have you ever seen, what's that movie, babe? Uh, It's got Oh, I'm talking to my wife right now. See, you get to do this when you're on camera. What's that movie? And it's got the the, the old guy and the younger lady and they're, they're robbers. Entrapment. Okay, so, um, <laughs> thanks, but no. Okay, so, <laughs> the movie Entrapment is the, the two characters, they're gonna rob something because they're both good at robbing things. And so they go to this castle and they set up all of this like uh, fake stuff to, to try out what it would look like to rob something. And one of the scenes has all of these laser lines. Have you guys seen these? And so all the laser lines are out and it, it's representing the uh, the alarm system that's on the thing that they're gonna try to, to steal. And in this moment, she, I can't remember what her name is, but she is having to weave through these lines and do all these like weird moves movements, like to avoid the lines, to go through these things in order to get to where she is going. And at the end of the day, while that seems nice, while that seems like the way that we should do it, how many of you know it's exhausting to do life like that? I'm out of breath right now. We haven't been called to go around things. We've been called to be the people that go through things. And on the journey of going through the obstacles is where we see the opportunities of God happen in front of us. See, what feels like an obstacle becomes an opportunity. She asked, him, for the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, in other words, he's saying this, if you knew who I was, <laughs> If you knew who I was and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. So now all of a sudden Jesus takes the conversation, he moves it past, he walks right through the obstacle and he says, no, 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 let me, let me give you a bigger sight line here. Let me, let me show you something that's so much bigger than the obstacle between the Jews and the Samaritans at this point. And that was living water found Jesus see every obstacle we face can be a greater opportunity if we allow it to be see Jesus could have just sat at the well and asked for a drink received his drink and continued on in his journey I mean he was tired he was thirsty we know that he was hungry because the disciples went to look for food and somewhere and had somewhere he was trying to get to but I love Jesus. I love what Jesus does and he took every opportunity to make a moment of opportunity. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves today and it's this. Am I making the most of every moment or am I just living momentarily? Am I making the most of every moment or am I just living momentarily we talk about this with our worship team listen we're in a room that's practically empty right now and our worship team could come in here and they could just sing songs and just do it over and over Tim over here with with his fineness looking all good on his microphone right here and his cool guitar Right, look like a rock star. He could come in here, he can be like it's just another moment. I'm just playing another song. I'm just going through the chords. I'm just playing the progressions. Or like I know that Tim does. He comes in and every single moment he's like, wait, I have a moment for an opportunity to be impacted by God. I have a moment in front of me right now to through the camera encourage people with worship. He's not living momentarily. He's living right now, seizing the moment, understanding his day. D-E-I and realizing that it's God's grace on him. It's the passion that's in him. It's his moment. It's his opportunity. Apostle Paul says it like this in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 17. Watch what he says. He says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Watch what he says. Making the most of the time. Because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, when I'm living momentarily, I'm living passively. I'm allowing time and space that I find myself in to just simply pass by. And it means that I'm not looking for the opportunity to seize moments and allow them to become something more than ordinary, and this is the opportunity that we have before us right now. We can sit here and we can complain about our situations and our circumstances. We can sit and be frustrated about the division and the divide we are facing. We can be angry and talk about all the things that we are missing because of COVID and, and what everything's wrong and everything that's right now. Or we can look at the obstacles in front of us and we can engage them and bring real and lasting changes. I can tell you right now, as a leader, as somebody who's following Jesus, I'm trying to make sure that I don't go to him with my complaints, but rather I go to him asking God, give me new and fresh vision. Give me something new to go into the future because I don't want to spend the little time that I have complaining about everything that's wrong. I want to take the day. I want to take the moment. I want to take the opportunity. I want to do something great in this world. I want to see your name over every single nation. I want to see your name be lifted high over everything. That's seizing the day. That's what we have in front of us. That's the option. That is the necessary way